Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for common sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby standing for truth, justice, and the American way. Bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. And welcome to a special edition of Cats and Cosby. This is Rita Cosby, and boy, has it been an interesting week. Bo Snurdly is off this week. He is traveling in Greece, and we are continuing our special program. And boy, uh, Judge Richard Weinberg, this has been incredible. Uh, today, we were talking about uh, President Biden saying the biggest issue is climate change. Uh, it's just here he is talking and he's in, you know, Vilnius. Yeah. You know, it almost seemed like a skit on Saturday Night Live. I can't. I just can't believe that that's the biggest issue facing this world. Yeah, that's what he came out with. Here he is talking there in NATO uh, to uh, the crowd. Of course, we're talking about Ukraine, cluster bombs, all this other stuff. And he's saying climate change is the big issue. And coming up in just a few minutes, that? that is President Biden. Can you believe okay. that, John? John Katsimatidis, I'm back from Washington. I mi- Did you miss me yesterday? By the way, we missed you. But you know what? D.C. was lucky, John. You had a packed, packed house on your best-selling book. We were talking about you all day. We had hundreds of people in the auditorium. We had three, 400 people uh, on the roof uh, book signing. And it was a very exciting thing, except Amtrak, Amtrak, and, you know. The trains. Was, the train wasn't working. We had to take back a SUV from Washington. We left Washington 9 o'clock last night, and we got in one thirty in the morning. How'd you stay awake, John? He listened to well, WABC. we stopped by 7-Eleven, <laughs> and we got some of that 7-Eleven coffee. Rocket fuel. The, and... I put hair on my chest. Wait, I th- John, but I, th- I stayed up. I thought you listened to uh, the Rita Cosby show from uh, 10 p.m. No, to midnight. Wait, no, no, we listened to you. We Yay! did listen to you. Okay, great. And then we listened to Dominic. <laughs> yep, it was a know. great night. And then Frank Morano. So we kept you up. That's great. And the coffee. <laughs> and continuing here in studio, by the way, we also have Congressman Peter King, uh, named after King's Highway, of course, which we love. Uh, King's Highway was named after me. Right. Yeah. That's <laughs> right. That's right. That's right. Judge Richard Weinberg. Uh, a common sense Democrat, a common sense Republican, and that's what we're all about, common sense. And we have a special guest. Absolutely. Uh, we have the ambassador from Turkey, from Washington. See, I brought him back from Washington. You, did you take, so I guess you didn't take the, uh, the train either. <laughs> but what a pleasure to have you here, Mr. Ambassador. And, uh, we all love Turkey so and, much. And, uh, he Thank is you. here on a mission, uh, to uh, create more peace. With, 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 uh, between Turkey, the United States, uh, uh, Greece maybe too, and, and, uh, Ambassador, give us your mission to this country. Uh, I'm the ambassador to Turkey. I'm, I'm the ambassador of Turkey to this country. And, uh, you know, my mission is always as an ambassador to create a peaceful environment and to create stability and to improve relationship between uh, like-minded countries and especially NATO member countries, you know, both Greece and Turkey and United States are NATO member countries and yes. there have been very good relations and improvement and development in recent days. And I'm very happy to, to be here and to cheer this up. Now, uh, you, uh, recently, uh, uh, uh President Biden, uh, 
uh, was uh, had a meeting with uh, President uh, Erdogan. Is that the yes? And and they uh, and they agreed on allowing um, Sweden to come into NATO. In fact, President Erdogan met uh, with many uh, leaders, including President Biden, of course, and at the same time, Michotakis, Prime Minister, new elected, newly elected Michotakis. That was very important. Mm-hmm. And in that meeting, especially with President Biden, they agreed on uh, going ahead with Sweden to be a NATO member country and at the same time uh, to increase, to enhance uh, bilateral relations, especially in the field of defense, security, economy, and other fields. Mr. Ambassador, do you expect that to go through the Turkish parliament? Uh, yeah, of course. Well, of course, because uh, President Erdogan is man of, man of honor, and if he said he's going to do it, right. uh, he's going to send it to the Turkish parliament. Of course, it will be up to the parliament's decision uh, to approve it or not, but I see. I, I think it will be approved good news. when it comes. Yeah, Mr. Ambassador, too, you know, Turkey is so strategic geographically where it is in the world. Uh, I think about Incirlik, uh Air Base, which is such a pivotal air base there, a U.S. air base there um, in Turkey. Talk about how important the role of Turkey is um, in the war on terror. I mean, it is just in such a prime, important spot for the world. Now, of course, uh, to be very frank with you, I didn't we didn't choose to be in that area, but geography is your destiny. Mm-hmm. And if you look at around, uh, there are so many uh, problems in your in your neighborhood, crisis in your neighborhood. Uh, so you have to act accordingly. Uh, for that reason, you know we we have to think strategically, and that is why why Turkey became uh, a NATO member seventy years ago. At the same time, with Greece. Uh, because NATO always provides security and uh, safety for each country, for each member country. And we've seen this, how it's, impo- how it's important, especially during Russia-Ukraine crisis, war, Russia-Ukraine war. And uh, for that reason, we are very fortunate. We are very lucky that we were NATO member country uh, 70 years ago. Uh, and of course, there are many, many activities, many crises taking place. Terrorism is, is a major concern of all, all, all of us, you know, from from our perspective, PKK, YPG, you know, uh, Daesh and other for, form of terrorism is very important. And that requires a coherent approach, comprehensive approach by all the uh, inter- by the international community. So international community, all democratic countries have to work together. Uh, to, to reduce impact of terrorism on our daily lives because you know, daily lives are important. You know, civilian, normal people who are going to school, who are, you know, teaching, who are driving, they always have to feel comfortable and it's our responsibility uh, to maintain and to secure that. Uh, Mr. Ambassador, uh, Turkey in the past uh, uh, has uh, uh, said the desire to become the member of the European community is there a status on that? Uh, as a matter of fact, I didn't come here uh, to be on on your show. That was I. I, 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 meant, so I, 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 any, uh... I meant to visit you, so we'll we'll probably I I will I would love to appear on your show. We're much more prepared, but I understand. Yes, to answer your question, short, uh, President Erdogan emphasized the importance of our EU membership recently and uh, emphasized it several times. During Vilnius meeting, uh, Turkey, part of European family, part of European structure, 
is vital, is very important, not only for Turkey itself, but also for the, for the European community. Now, there's a new, I was taught by one of my friends, there's a new pronunciation for the country. Give us the, I used to call it Turkey. Now you call it? Turkey. Turkey A. Yeah, I see that on all no, the advertisements. No. Tur, tur. But tur. you don't have Turk. Tur, 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 tur. Okay. You got to clear the throat. Well, I look, I, I, is there anything else you want to tell the American no, people? I'm, I'm very happy. I'm very Thank happy you. things are developing in the right direction. Peace everywhere should be our motto. Peace, 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 and prosperity. What we, are, we should be seeking for. Well, I look forward to having uh, con- continued relations, and uh, I look forward to uh, uh, setting up some of the meetings that we talked about, and uh, uh, so you can meet more people in uh, in New York. Thank you very much. Thank you. Love God bless you. Thank you. Thank God you. bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you uh, let's take a break, and when we come back, we're going to come back with Ari Fleischer, Fleischer the former uh, press secretary. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Cats and Cosby, a special edition. Bo Snurdly is off this week. Of course, we'll also be on at 5 o'clock, an extended edition. And everybody is talking about the comments from President Joe Biden just a little bit ago. Basically, there he is in Lithuania, in NATO, and the first thing he basically talks about is climate change, not really the war in Ukraine, and says that climate change is the greatest threat to humanity. Well, joining us now to talk about all of this and so much more is the great former White House press secretary, Ari Fleischer. Ari, great to have you here. Did you see President Biden's speech and what was your reaction? I'm, I'm hearing all about them, and it makes me think that Joe Biden is the greatest threat to humanity. <laughs> Uh, and he is there for a NATO summit, a military alliance where one one nation in Europe, Ukraine, is under vicious attack by Russia, and he's there to talk about wind farms and sun sun solar power. I think something's missing. Yeah, what did you make of, of the whole trip so far, Ari? I was watching you on Fox News, and you were also talking just a little bit. This whole trip, he seems like off his step. Um, and I guess it's a continued off his step. But, you know, he was talking to the British soldier and King Charles is like, uh, can we keep going? And then um, and then also he missed the dinner last night. A lot of people are making hay of that. This was the big dinner with the world leaders. He comes to Vilnius, Lithuania, and all these key players, of course, at a very pivotal time are in the world with everything with Ukraine and Russia. And then he misses the dinner. Again, and this is not the first time, and everybody's thinking, is he too tired to make key dinners? And, you know, as I recall, that is a small dinner. That is not a dinner with lots of staff and other hangers-on. It's a time for those leaders of NATO to really get to know each other better and talk about things in an informal manner. I think it's inexcusable that he wasn't there. These are not social meetings. These are not social dinners. It's work. And he didn't show up for work. And the only reason I can surmise is he was just too tired. His staff said that he wasn't going to go because he had a big speech the next day. Well, he has big speeches every day. He's the president. And I think this is proof perfect of what happens when you have an 80-year-old in office and a man who's got the infirmities that Joe Biden apparently increasingly is suffering from. Ari, it's Tony Carbonetti. How does he get through 
a campaign like this? I mean, you know this. You've been there, okay? When when a president is on a campaign trail and he they they pick a stop or a state, fifty requests come in. He's got to come visit my dairy farm. He's got to come visit. We make jackets or tires or whatever. I've been a supporter forever. There's fifty that come in, and you sit there and you try to weed out. You know, six or seven, and usually the principal comes in and says, I can do 11 stops in one day. You've been there. You know what it's like. <laughs> this guy's not doing 11 stops in a day. How about a week? Your, your question was, how can, he, how can he do it? He can do it if the mainstream media looks the other way, as they did when he ran a campaign yeah. from his basement in 2000. And I think that's his intention here. His intention is to run the same way he ran in 2000, which is he'll do as little as possible not get criticized by the mainstream media, and that keeps all the focus on, he hopes, Donald Trump. He, his calculation is people won't vote for him, but they will vote against Trump. And that's why he wants to just take up as small a spot as possible, keep the focus on Trump. But I'm just, from a governing point of view, I'm very worried about a president who's showing signs yeah. of age, showing signs of wear and tear. You, you see it every time he walks anywhere, whether it's to Marine One or across a stage, his walk you is worry. frail. And missing a major meeting like this, he really should be getting banged by the mainstream media. Well, but, of course, they're looking the other way. Ari, it's Richard Weinberg. And how about the responsibility of the Democratic Party to foster, push this person on the American people with all the crises this country is facing? Judge, I think that's a great point. You know, the problem the Democrats are going to have is they have no insurance policy. If something happens to Joe Biden, if he has a health issue, if he takes one more fall, if people really conclude, not just Republicans, but many of the independents and the Democrats who will be more important to this calculation, that he is not really strong enough to last another four years as a, as a sharp president. Uh, what are uh, they going to do if there's no alternative, if there's no insurance well, policy, well, a brokered open convention? I read John Caspatini's. And I've said to a lot of my Democratic friends have said to me, that's why they're supporting uh, Robert F. Kennedy. It's, yes. if, if they have, if, if the United States of America is destined to have a Democratic president, if, then they'd rather have a Robert Kennedy than Joe Biden. You know, John, what fascinates me about that scenario is think about the last time you had an incumbent president who thought every, everybody thought was going to run for re-election and then didn't in a huge surprise. It was Lyndon Baines Johnson in 1968, mm -hmm. and of course, who temporarily, of course, until he was assassinated, emerged as the leader, Robert F. Kennedy. So are we in for some sort of you never, later, you never know. years later? And there was another scenario that you don't know about yet. You see, I give you news. No. Now, I understand that uh, uh, Senator Manchin is going to uh, yeah. New Hampshire with no labels on uh, Monday. Monday. And yep. you never know what happens. And the comment somebody else made was, if I had a choice of Joe Biden, Robert F. Kennedy, or Joe Manchin, you never know, but it's certainly not uh, Joe Biden. I think that's all very good points. We're, we're in such an era right now where people have so many qualms about Joe Biden, many people have qualms about Donald Trump, as unlikely as it is, because it hasn't happened before. Could this be the year that the gap in the middle is big enough for a third-party candidate to make it from no labels? 
Uh, and we're in for fascinating politics ahead. I don't think anything is for sure. Hey, Ari, this is Pete King, and you know, uh, you were a great press secretary. I don't want to be dwelling on you the media here, but can you imagine if uh, aren't if, I a great radio host? I mean, I you know what about? I mean, can't we compliment I don't everybody? Know what I'm <laughs> You're all great except for Tony. He's very good. Very. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. All right, go ahead, Pete. <laughs> now, if this were George Bush or Donald Trump or Richard Nixon and all all that was out there with Hunter Biden and everything else, all the all the entanglements, all the cash that's floating around, can you imagine your job as press secretary every day when you were up there? What the media would be doing? Oh my God! Every day was an away game for me in that briefing room. <laughs> e- e- even on the good days where things went well, I basically had their forty-nine seats. I had basically forty-nine hostile reporters playing the devil's advocate. Right, but you never had to defend something as bad as this. That's, that's the point I'm making. I mean, you were being attacked for whatever was going on in the that's world. Right. But this is and, clear and Joe stuff. Biden, that, yeah. Basically, can, Karine Jean-Pierre has a home game every time she briefs. Only Fox News asks tough questions. Although, do you want to hear the irony? I was just about to ask you this, Ari. It just came out um, that the White House basically is saying. Sanctioning and giving a warning to this African reporter uh, that his name is Simon uh, Atiba because he's one of the only ones in the press room who even asks like a hard question once in a while to Corinne Jean-Pierre because there seems to be this trend uh, that Biden seems to think like the press is tough on him. I don't know what world he's living in, Ari. I mean, you know, you've been in the press room. You've taken incoming from every different direction. And and Biden can't answer whether it's, you know, chocolate or vanilla ice cream. And, he, and the other day when a reporter was asking him a question, even about uh, Zelensky and Ukraine and NATO, he snapped at the reporter. It's like like that's a bona fide question. Like he doesn't seem to want to answer any questions to the press. No, that's right. He, he, remember, right on the eve of the fall of Afghanistan, he's, it was July 4th weekend. He was asked about the progress the Taliban was making. And he said, come on, it's July 4th. Why are you asking me a question like that? Let's talk about happy things. I mean, he has a perverse view of what his job is, but mostly because the press let him get away with it in the 2000 campaign. And they've mostly been very easy on him. Simon, the reporter that you were asking about, is really he's very opinionated. He's playing the role that Jim Acosta at CNN played to acclaim and fame, but now they want to come down on Simon when he's just doing what Jim Acosta used to do. Yeah, and it's minor league compared to what I think uh, Trump dealt with with Acosta. Wow. Ari Fleischer, thank you so much for being with us. We really appreciate it. Thank Thank you, Ari. And Tony is great. Yeah, no, yeah, well, I don't know. We're not sure about that. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure care, still Ari. out on that. Right. <laughs> Thank you, Ari. Thanks, everybody. Thank Bye, you. Ari. And uh, who do we have now? Now uh, we have Senator Joe Lieberman, of course, of No Labels. Now, he's chairman of No Labels. He's one common-sense Democrat, one common-sense uh, independent, and one of the finest uh, senators we've ever had, and, and the vice presidential candidate. And... and um, He's working very hard for no labels. Uh, Senator uh, Lieberman, uh, what the heck is going on? You have an important meeting coming up in uh, uh, on Monday in New Hampshire. Right. Hey, John, uh, great to be with you. Thanks for your kind words. Uh, yeah, I mean, I never would have predicted this uh, when I started out my career as a Democrat. But in my opinion, the two parties uh, just repeatedly have been failing the country by by being more loyal are demanding more loyalty to themselves uh, and uh, not to the country and not working together to get things done. So that's the, the no-label story for the last uh, 12 or 13 years that we've been in existence. For the first time, having uh, achieved some success at electing 
centrist Republicans and Democrats to the House and Senate, uh, were keeping open the option of uh, running a third uh, ticket, bipartisan unity ticket. And uh, right now we're focused on getting on the ballot uh, in all uh, 50 states, but which ain't easy, but we're working hard at it. This week, uh, uh, really coming back to what we're about, ideas, and uh, we're going to release uh, our common sense uh, policy agenda uh, up in New Hampshire at St. Anselm's College. Uh, Senator Joe Manchin will be there. Uh, Governor John Huntsman will be there uh, playing lead roles in describing it. They've both been past chairs of no labels. But this is really about the ideas, and I, uh, it'll be revealed on on Monday, but uh, this is a policy agenda that neither party would put out because we're trying to really be common sense centrist uh, bipartisan. Yeah. Yeah, This is Pete King. Uh, Always great to talk with you. Uh, Yeah, Pete, thank you. Great to hear your voice, buddy. John Cassidy's, I was at an event several weeks ago that Joe Manchin was just there. It was not a political event at all. And I was pleasantly surprised by the number of people coming up to him and encouraging him and, uh, you know, really happy to see him there. So there does seem to be an appetite for something other than what we have. Do you think it's plausible and possible, you know, when it comes down to it? Because, again, you know, there is a demand for it, I think. Yeah, no, uh, thanks, Pete. Uh, Look, uh, American history uh, doesn't give you much precedent at the presidential level for a third ticket to win. I mean, the last one that did really was Abraham Lincoln. In 1860, uh, and then in 1864, he went one better and had a bipartisan ticket with uh, Governor Johnson of Tennessee, who was a Democrat. Uh, but but these are very unusual times. I mean, you got not only on the no labels polling, but on all the other polling, uh, a majority of the American people don't like the two uh, candidates that the two major parties are going to give them. And uh, you, you get 30, 40, we got over 50% in one of our polls said they'd be open to a third ticket bipartisan unity independence. So we're, we call it the insurance policy because we're not sure we're going to use it. Maybe the parties will come back to the center. Uh, maybe uh, the primaries will produce um, a better uh, candidates, more acceptable to the American people, but maybe not. And if not, uh, I think there's a real sentiment, not only in the no labels, but in the country to give the people a third choice. There, there really is. Well, Senator, it's Tony Carbonetti. And Tony, it, how are you? I, incidentally, I heard the last interview. I think you're a good guy. <laughs> oh, wait, <laughs> I was just downgrading. Wait a minute. <laughs> well, but, uh, as yeah. you know, I, I think you, you are a great guy and you, a, a man that we both love very much, Senator John McCain. I, I was pushing for him at the time. Yeah. To select you as his running mate, I think it would have been, you know, transforming at the time. But I think now the country is ready for this because, as you said before, we've become too much. It's not that the party asks so much. They want us to hate the other side. It's, that, it's not enough to be. About. I don't hate Democrats. Yeah. I just like Republicans more. I, hate yeah, so, is not a good thing. So God bless you. No, I agree with you. Politics has become really like war in the good old days when you'd have an argument on the floor of the Senate and then you'd go out for a drink together. It just doesn't happen anymore. Uh, Incidentally, I appreciate your mentioning McCain because when he first said to me he wanted to vet me for vice president, I said, are you kidding me? (laughs) 
Uh, uh, no, what's wh- why? Why not? Why shouldn't I? I says, oh, John, I don't know. You know, you may have forgotten, but uh, I'm, I got elected as an independent in '06, but I'm still a Democrat. Yeah, well, that's the point. He said, you know, I can hear him. He says, that's the point. The country really is so fed up with the partisanship. Yes. It would be great. So he was ahead of his time, and maybe no labels. Whoever the candidates are. Uh, it, it has hit the moment when the country's really ready to whack the two uh, major parties because they're not they're not delivering. Senator, they're, they're serv- yeah, I, I, I know uh, uh, no labels is having a major meeting in New Hampshire on on right. Monday. Uh, but uh, since you heard my conversation with Ari Fleischer and and uh, that the fact is, if I was look, I had my old Democratic hat back on there from uh, from the Bill Clinton days. Yeah. Uh, and if the Democrats are destined to win the next presidency, I think they want a choice between RFK and maybe Manchin. What, what say you on that? Yeah, I tell you the fact that um, that RFK Jr. is is now polling at almost twenty percent against Biden, and this woman Marianne Williamson is getting eight percent shows you that that the disaffection and I, I like Joe Biden I know I know him forever uh, but this is a different moment in his career and it shows you that even in a Democratic Party you, you're now approaching 30 percent who say that they prefer another candidate so I, I don't know what's going to happen uh, as this goes on uh, it, it's possible uh, I look at I could go back in history. I was only a kid, so I, I wasn't involved. But 1964, and of course it was the anti-war Vietnam War at the beginning. Uh, Senator Eugene McCarthy of Minnesota declares against Lyndon Johnson. He enters the New Hampshire primary. <clears throat> he doesn't win, but he comes surprisingly close, and that brings uh, RFK Senior into the race. And then uh, President Johnson withdraws. Now, can something like that happen this year? It's possible. Yeah. On the other, on the other hand, on the Republican side, and uh, I think uh, President Trump remains extremely strong and is the likely nominee. I, well, we all agree, we on that. Do agree. I agree on that. Yeah, by the way, Senator, I want to say one thing real quick. You used to see my mother at Salati's Pharmacy, and you were always so sweet in Stanford. Oh, Thank kidding. you. Oh, that's a good memory. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you Senator. And uh, we're going to take a break, and then we're going to continue with Katz and Cosby on uh, our regular 5 o'clock show. Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for Common Sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby, standing for truth, justice, and the American way, bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. And we're back, and I am back, and uh, in the studio with us, uh, we resume our ra- regular Cats and Cosby show, and AM 970, The Answer, is joining us right now. Uh, to include our listening audience. And in the studio, we have a common sense Democrat. We have uh, Judge Richard Weinberg. And we have a common sense Republican. Uh, we have Congressman Peter King, King's Highway. And I'm not sure such a common sense Republican. We got, <laughs> we got Tony Carbonetti, but we love him. We love Whether him anyway. Whether he we love him anyway. Not, we love Thank him anyway. You. No matter how crazy he is, we, we still we love him. Good. I, I we know he's good. That. We don't know if he's great. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get on so. top of the mountain. I don't know. And uh, we've had a busy day so far in our 4:30 show. We we took the 4:30 to 5 show 
because uh, Bo Schnedley is in the Greek Islands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And by the way, we're going to be doing that all week, everybody. So we got an action-packed uh, hour and a half of Cats and Cosby. Yeah, for is that the WABC Greek Island program? We all get sent well, there. Somebody. We should, have, <laughs> yeah, we should take the, the ferry. You know, uh, only if we go to Nisaros. Jer- Jer- Jerry Crowley uh, takes people around Manhattan. We'll take people okay. around Greece. And, and by the way, true story, John, when John pulls in to Niseros, where your family's from, they ring the bell. The whole village comes out. <laughs> I love it. Uh, it is one of those. It, it, they're so proud That's what of John Katsimatidis. King's Highway. <laughs> King's Highway. But King, they're but not wrong, honking the horns. Congressman King has, has said he will never pass congestion pricing for King's Highway. Thank that, that's goodness. That absolute oath they take in that, yes. Right now, Thank we have goodness. a real special guest. I mean, during the first half hour, we had the ambassador from the uh, country of Turkey, or the Washington ambassador. Yep. And he was very, very interesting. Uh, then we had uh, uh, Ari Fleischer. Fleischer. Yep. And we had uh, Senator, Senator Joe Lieberman. Joe Lieberman. Wow, what a show so far. Yeah, and this is action-packed today. We've got Ambassador John Bolton. We also have Andy McCarthy and a whole bunch more coming up in this hour. And big talk, of course, is NATO. Uh, President Biden is over there. He's in Vilnius in Lithuania and talking about Russia, Ukraine. Huge news today. And joining us now is the former ambassador to the U.N., John Bolton. Ambassador, uh, great to have you here. Did you see, by the way, uh, President Biden is there talking about, obviously, a whole bunch of different issues on NATO. But 90% of his speech was climate change, climate change, climate change. And he said climate change is the greatest threat to humanity. My jaw dropped. I thought, you know what? Uh, I think the Ukrainians think there's a lot more issues uh, right now going on than climate change. Your thoughts, Mr. Ambassador? No, exactly. And remember, in this administration, two or three days after Russia invaded uh, Ukraine last year, John Kerry came on and said this this war, this war is just going to be terrible. Think of all the carbon emissions it will cause. And and then he said, "But that's I right." He said that. that. I can't believe that you're reminding us all. That was the most stunning statement. Well, the next one is even more stunning. He then said, "I certainly hope this doesn't mean we can't negotiate with President Putin to get a climate change agreement." I mean that that is what dominates their attention. It's the same is true with China. It's why our policy there is incoherent and. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's a it's a matter that uh, it's almost religious with them. That's the only way you can put it. What are the repercussions, too? Because, you know, you're sitting there, you know, these leaders, I think about uh, what's going on with China. I think Putin, I think North Korea, um, which just did a test, by the way, today, a few hours ago uh, for the first time in a while. So you got all those things going on. What are they seeing when they see our president get out there and he's kind of fumbling around and then he's saying, you know, climate change is the big issue. But what are our adversaries who are thinking about a lot more than climate change? What is their reaction, you think, Mr. Ambassador? Well, I think it's puzzlement that uh, that we get diverted on this. But, you know, there's there's a lot going on in, in NATO, not just about the Ukraine and, and the war there. It's very interesting. People should know that in Lithuania, where the summit's being held, Lithuania, a small country on the on the Baltic Sea, just issued for the first time ever their Indo-Pacific strategy statement. Why? Because they identify with Taiwan and they see the threat that Lithuania faces from Russia and they understand why uh, Taiwan feels the way they do about the threat from China. Also interesting, attending the NATO summit for the first time was Prime Minister Kishida of Japan, President Yoon of South Korea and the prime ministers of Australia and New Zealand. Now, they're a long way from the North Atlantic. 
but they see what the threat is that that uh, we all face in common. And I really think this uh, this this could this summit I will have to say could could be uh, historic, not for admitting uh, Sweden or announcing that Sweden would come in as a member of NATO, but for the cooperation with countries in. Uh, the Indo-Pacific, uh, uh, really in a significant way for the first time. John, this is Pete King. What do you see happening with Taiwan in the near future? Well, I think that's where it's most at risk. And I think the Chinese have obviously watched what happened to the Russians in uh, Ukraine. I think they, they don't want to see the same thing happen to them. Uh, and I think they want Taiwan and its full productive facilities, all those chip manufacturing facilities of Taiwan Semiconductor and others, highly sophisticated. They don't want them flattened by bombing or sabotage or or combat. They want the whole island to fall into their hands like a piece of ripe fruit. So I'm very worried they'll find some pretext for a crisis and throw a blockade around Taiwan and then see what we do. That, I think, is the main threat in the next couple of years. And they watch President Biden's performance internationally and it worries me that they may think they, that no one knows how the 2024 election will come out. Maybe this would be a good time in the next year and a half to make a play. Mr. Ambassador, it's, uh, it's Richard Weinberg, sir. Talking about uh, problems, let's talk about Chinese coming in through the open border into our country. Thousands and thousands of military age Chinese infiltrating our country. How about that as an issue? And why are we addressing that? Well, you know, the, there are a lot of Chinese coming in. I think some of them could well be legitimate uh, refugees, people from Hong Kong and elsewhere. But certainly if those people could make it out of Hong Kong and get to an American consulate somewhere and apply for asylum, we, we have ways of dealing with that. Uh, actually, uh, it, it's the, the entire world doesn't look like our Mexican border. The fact they're coming across the Mexican border uh, I, I think is definitely worthy of attention. And if we had better control over the border, we could have an orderly process to sort out who are the real refugees and, and who are the potential problems. We don't have that now. And that, that leaves the country in danger. Yeah, big time. By the way, we just did a story on the show yesterday about how the Honduran migrants are now running the drug, uh, in basically San in San Francisco. Yeah, they I they mean, control the drug trade in San Francisco in, a, in alliance with the Mexican cartels. I mean, that is scary. Great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, great, uh, security issue on the border. I mean, what a mess it is, uh, Ambassador Bolton on so many levels. Well, that's, that's what they learned coming through Mexico and, and Mexico itself is, is, this has been a problem growing for years. Uh, of, of really coming under the effective control of the cartels. I remember back when uh, Hillary Clinton was still Secretary of State in the Obama administration. This is like 2011, 2012. She said, uh, it made a public statement, I'm very worried Mexico is beginning to look like Colombia did five or ten years ago. And it's a real danger to the United States because it's on our border. And Barack Obama came out a few days later also publicly and said, well, Mexico doesn't look like Colombia to me. Uh, which was which was a stunning mistake on his part, rebuking his own secretary of state. And by the way, Mexico does look a lot like Colombia did years ago. And, and uh, it's it's a continuing threat to the United States through the drug cartels, through the human traffickers who are down there, potentially for foreign terrorists, espionage agents and and people who don't wish us well. That's for sure. So, John, it's Tony Carbonetti. So what Rita was talking about before, where Biden just focuses on the environment so as long as President Xi promises to shut down a couple of coal plants, we'll let him invade Taiwan? Is that going to be the, the deal they're going to cut? 
Look, I'm, I'm worried that it's pretty close to that. I think the Chinese will sign almost any climate change deal. What does it matter to them? They're not going to adhere to it. Never going to do it. They're never going to follow they, through they with it. They need coal-fired plants. There's no doubt about it. They don't have an alternative at this point. Their economy, by all accounts now, uh, is in significant trouble. Their, their economic statistics are exaggerated, uh, to say the least, over the years. But it's very hard to hide now. They're, they're in economic difficulty. They're simply yes. not going to phase out carbon fuels when it's it's the source of economic uh, growth for them but in all seriousness you, you'd mentioned the chip manufacturing plants are we not taking are we not making plans right now to replace the taiwanese chip manufacturing with our own here in texas and elsewhere because we're basically going to let them fall fall to the wayside i mean they have to look at that that knowing we're making these plans and say hey they're not going to protect us well, I don't, I don't think our plants are anywhere close to catching up to them. We, we let this happen over a period of 20 or 30 years. Uh, all of this technology, a lot of it moved to uh, South Korea. The, real, the, real, the most sophisticated are all in Taiwan. I just spoke to a former very senior executive of Taiwan Semiconductor uh, when I was out in Taiwan about six or eight weeks ago. He said even with the billions of dollars of subsidies put into the plant they're building in Phoenix, it won't turn a profit because the Taiwanese plants are so much better. I mean, this this is we we allowed this to happen. We all sat there and watched it, uh, and and now it's a problem for us. Yeah, big time is it ever? Um, you know, I also want to get your take on sort of where you see things going um, with China too. One of the things I'm so concerned about. We talked about the border, uh, but also what about that spy station? Uh, that's 90 miles off our coast. I can't, you know, it, it is stunning to me that we've got that one in Cuba uh, that the Cubans have and Chinese talking about just a few hours ago, adding more military there. Yeah, this this is something, uh, uh, Pete, you, you may want to weigh in on, too. I mean, I've, I've written an op-ed. I plan to do more on this Chinese building a military facility, an intelligence facility, really taking the place of the Soviet Union during the Cold War, the, the Russians closed down their last intelligence facility at Lourdes in Cuba in 2004. And now the Chinese are taking their place. I've been trying to get people's attention in Congress. Certainly the Cuban-American community is worried about it because uh, Chinese uh, involvement at that level with that many people and that amount of resources in Cuba will prop up uh, the government there, the, the, the legacy of the Castro brothers. And the people of Cuba will be back to where they were. I mean, not only are we missing an opportunity to do something about Cuba, this is a direct threat to us. Again, 90 miles from our shore back in the Cold War, people understood this. People need to wake up to what's going on there. Yeah, John, this clearly violates the Monroe Doctrine. It's a clear and present danger. And I'm really disappointed. You know, more people on, on both sides, by the way, Democrats and Republicans, don't right. realize the potential, not just the potential, the, the clear and present danger we have right now from that spy base being there. And China really establishing a, 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 a foothold in, you know, now I It's actually, you know, it's just a weather station. It's, it's to help research on climate change. I'm sure that's what they're telling the I'm sure that's what they're saying, right? <laughs> that's fine. That's just great. Wonderful. Let's share the data. Oh, my goodness. Well, uh, Ambassador John Bolton, thank you so much for being here on such a huge, important day uh, on so many major issues that we should be focused on rather than climate change as the biggest threat. <laughs> Well, my, my pleasure. Thanks again. Thank Thanks you, John. Thanks so much. And everybody stay with us on Cats and Cosby, John. We've got Ty McCoy talking about the cluster bombs. By the way, news just breaking that a top Russian general has, quote, been liquidated. So we'll ask him about he, that. He, he fell out of the fifth floor window. No, he shot himself in the head five times. <laughs> <laughs> 
he committed suicide. Yeah, exactly. The first shot didn't work, so he tried the second and the third yeah, and the fourth and fifth. Right, exactly. Let's Isn't take that, that break. <laughs> A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. We were just talking with Ambassador John Bolton about Biden kind of talking about climate change more than war, even though he's there meeting with everybody in NATO. Uh, and joining us now to talk about a lot more is Ty McCoy. He is the former U.S. Assistant Secretary of the Air Force. You know, Ty, we were just seeing this headline. John and I were just talking about this top Russian general liquidated. Um, turns out he was liquidated by, quote, a storm shadow missile. Uh, it sounds like the Ukrainians are trying to take credit, or maybe Putin. I'm not sure based on what's no, been going Putin on. Is bl- <laughs> Putin is blaming the Ukrainians. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. Saying thank you. <laughs> what say you, Ty McCoy? Well, it's a pretty dangerous uh, thing to be a Russian general. You don't know whether the uh, people behind you are after you or the people in front of you, and uh, everybody wants to take uh, credit for things. So it's great to be on today, uh, Katz and uh, Rita and all your wonderful uh, team. The uh, Russian generals indeed are uh, a uh, a dying breed. Really dangerous <laughs> uh, dying breed. Yeah, they uh, they promote them fast. Uh, they think that a lot of colonels are ready to get promoted, and uh, that is uh, a, uh, a a factor that the Russian forces have had a problem with for a long time. They have to send their senior people to the front and are more likely to get a kill because they never really built up a non-commissioned officer corps. And uh, they have either draft uh, and recruits that are brought in that are sort of raw recruits and not highly professionalized, uh, or they have officers. And they never really uh, developed a, a non-commissioned officer corps in a professional way. And that has left them uh, with uh, these uh, very high number of of senior casualties. You know, I want to ask you, Ty, your thoughts um, about the sort of fake coup, if you will. Um, And I'm talking about, uh, you know, with the mercenary leader of the Wagner group. You know, it was like, okay, everybody was watching. Okay, is this the moment maybe Putin's going to be ousted or something's going to happen? Um, and it lived for so short time. He was supposed to be in Belarus. Now there's words that he's been hanging out with Putin, even though he was dressed like Borat. He had all these disguises, apparently, also when he was sneaking around the country. But do you think it was all a big setup? Well, it's hard to say for sure. There's a lot of uh, fracturing, apparently, among the elite, from what we can tell by the differences between the military people, the intelligence uh, people, the, the uh Uh, special troops, the National Guard, which is supposedly reporting directly to Putin, uh, Prigozhin, uh, many of the uh, elites that are uh, supposedly reporting to Putin, and yet he's been playing them off against each other for a long time. So whether Prigozhin was uh, agitated and incentivized by either Putin or some of the other elites around Putin to uh, pulled this off and looked like there was a march for justice, as he calls it, on Moscow, or whether his ego uh, uh, and his uh, so-called success at Bakhmut uh, gave him the idea that he could uh, do this or not. There is uh, a lot of uh, information that uh, Prigozhin is one of the bagmen for Putin and is one person that launders and handles a lot of his money. Uh, and knows where it is and, and so forth. 
and has access to other monies from gold mines and, and uh, the like in Africa. So uh, that may have led him to think he could go up against the professional military and the professional intelligence community people and uh, why he tried it and also why Putin didn't immediately uh, shut him down or assassinate him if, if that has not occurred already because he has he goes way back to St. Petersburg uh, in the streets and when they were young, tough guys uh, many, many uh, years ago, 30 years ago. So there's a long history there and it's not clear uh, where the ultimate loyalty is going to be uh, demonstrated. You know, uh, Ty, I want to ask you about cluster bombs because that's a big a big deal here um, about the push by the U.S. to now say, OK, they want to clear the way for cluster bombs to go to Ukraine. Um, I was watching earlier and uh, one of the commentators said this, I thought was a great line, basically that, you know, Biden is giving enough weapons for Ukraine not to lose, uh, but not to win. It's like this drip, drip, drip. What are your thoughts about uh, cluster bombs and sort of the way we've been waging the war? Well, it is does uh, create some uh, a sense of deja vu and concern, uh, the drip, 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 and the gradualization of, of the war. Uh, and that helped us uh, lose in uh, Afghanistan and also in Vietnam, where I served. But in those cases, we weren't dealing with people who have nuclear weapons. In this case, we are. And so the drip, 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 and the slower approach and the more gradual approach perhaps is, while not desirable from a lot of reasons, is maybe somewhat more justifiable so that we don't spike up egos and spike up reactions in Russia because of the huge nuclear arsenal that they have that is pointed at all our cities and all our people. And so I think the cluster bomb issue is, in effect, more of a signal, the same way that the F-16 and the the provision of F-16s is more of a signal uh, to the Russians that we're going to be in this for a long time. We're not going to let it go. We're not going to fade away. And that uh, the cluster bombs, while they're good for the offense, they also can be bad because there are mines that are left around and the, the offense might uh, run over their own mines that didn't go off. And, and, the kids might, and, the, and, the, and kids may die, too. Yeah, but kids die in war all the time. And yeah. the is, how do you well, minimize it? You know, that's what I hate about war. Yeah. Uh, Ty, one last question because we got another interview we're going to. Um, uh, we had the ambassador of Turkey in the uh, studio uh uh, just a half hour ago, and and uh, uh, the uh, country of Turkey has made a deal uh, to allow Sweden to go into um, a into NATO. NATO. Yep. And uh, what what do you, in your opinion, what is Turkey getting back uh, from uh, President Biden in return? I think that they're going to get uh, more cooperation. Uh, on uh, weapons and, and joint production of weapons. They're going to get uh, some F-16s. They probably are not going to get the F-35, which they were going to get in a co-production deal, uh, but they are going to uh, also get economic aid and the uh, economic uh, infusion, so, which do, do, badly do, Economic aid is uh, cash. Uh, yeah, loans, cash. Both, when you when you were in Washington, United. how much did we have to pay to uh, fly over uh, Turkey in those days? Well, we had to pay a lot to uh, have our troops stationed in various parts of Turkey. We gave them a lot of military aid, so it was in the tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars. Millions or billions? Being, 
well, tens and hundreds of millions in those days. Which would uh, now be they, worth billions. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, no, look, uh, I, 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 I believe in peace and I believe in, uh, uh, Tur- Turkish, uh, strategic, uh, uh, place in the world. And, uh, look, I, I'd rather have peace. Well, thank you, uh, Ty McCoy. I, uh, uh, and uh, thank you for everything you've done for our country and continue to speak out for our country. Well, thank you, and thank your wonderful team at WABC for bringing the news and the common sense uh, perspective to uh, your uh, great and large audience. Thank you. Thank you, Ty. And let's go. I mean, in the studio, he just he just walked in. You can't miss him with the red you beret. You can't miss him with a red beret, and, and, and he also has the red uh uh, jacket and, uh, saves money on wardrobe. <laughs> you know, the, the Turkish officials thought I was from Turkey because this is the colors of Turkey. Did they so try they, to recruit They you? thought I was one of their own. They said, <laughs> sorry, I'm not on Turkey's side. Sorry. There's, is there a Turkish guardian angel, Curtis Lee? No, no, no Turkish guardian angels. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. By the way, I, I wanted to ask you, Curtis, this is amazing. There's this poll that just came out. And I'm not surprised by this because we see this every day and you see this every day, especially you and the guardian angels, that New Yorkers say more than half of New Yorkers who were surveyed said uh, they are concerned and most of them very concerned that they or their family members are going to be victims of crime. They see the headlines. And many of them have been confronted in the streets by the emotionally disturbed person. So you see, you don't take them off the streets. You don't hospitalize them. And it replicates itself. So you put one emotionally disturbed person on a subway. By the time they've gone up and down that train, they've had interactions with hundreds of people, hundreds of people who've been frightened. And that's stuff you don't forget. And uh, Kathy uh, Hochul, our governor, is in denial. Eric Adams today was blaming the media. It's uh, Eric Adams got to put aside his police detail and start busting his shoes again and know how bad things are in the city. Because when people can go in and out of a drugstore with bags in their hands that they've shoplifted and the FedEx truck there is having its packages stolen as we speak, as they're being delivered, people people see these things. And why would you accuse the people of being manipulated by the media when, in fact, they're seeing this in their neighborhoods, they're seeing it on the trains, they're seeing it in the streets, both in New York and New York City, which is leading to the ever-increasing exodus out of New York. So they can remain in denial. But a lot of people who have the wherewithal are leaving as quickly as they can get out of here. And you know what's so sad, Curtis Lewa, too, is that now there's been this pattern of people who have stood up. I mean, I think about the CVS worker who it was the repeat offender. Guy goes in, he's shoplifted. And then, according to the CVS worker, suddenly the shoplifter starts beating him up. He stabs him, and now he's the one charged. I mean, oh, he's charged. He's on Rikers Island. He doesn't get the benefit of the doubt from Alvin Bragg. We saw that with Jose Alba. We saw that with Daniel Penny. Uh, we can just see more and more people being forced to defend themselves or fighting back. It's because we don't have enough cops. The DAs aren't doing their job, and our elected elite, uh, our elected leaders like Hochul and Adams, are trying to tell us that we don't know what's going on. That we are toys of the media who are using propaganda to make us believe that there's more crime than there really is. And they're also attacking both the legal and the moral right to self-defense. They're saying if you fight back, there's something wrong with you, and you better use so-called reasonable force. But when you're, as Curtis knows, if you're in a street fight, you have to do what's necessary so the other guy doesn't maim you or kill you. So let me ask you. Let me tell you, all the drugstores are closing in New York, the Rite Aids, the Walgreens, the Dwayne Reeds, uh, the CVSs. 
I mean, the supermarkets, nobody wants to open up anymore. Where am I going to go shop with them? We'll give you a list in San Francisco. We'll give you a list in San Francisco. Tony, we'll give you your Alvin Bragg swag bag. Just go in and promise you won't shoot, and they'll let you loot. You know what? I haven't been around for a couple of weeks, and I apologize. So I haven't said anything about Daniel Penny, but let me tell you something. The Marine, of course, I have two daughters, and psychologically... You know, when you teach them to ride the subway, you say you can't go out at night because psychologically you think during the day there's someone like him around. He's the guy that you say is is the New Yorkers. He embodies all the New Yorkers will get together and save my child if, God forbid, something but bad's that's happening. Point. That's the point. They've He's the person the right we want on that train. They've, and they've, the guardian angels. That right. And the people that we expect. You know, you just have this expectation that the, there's a goodness in people that will protect your kid. Well, he embodied that. But you know, the sad thing is, Tony, that's why what's going on has such a chilling effect. Because what happens if they see a Daniel Penny gets charged, they see the CVS guy get charged, and then people are afraid to intervene. That's Too many what guys look at their shoelaces that's what, when something bad happens. Yes. And you know what? We had um, the woman on. Remember the woman right. who was beaten up on the subway here on the show? And I think you were with us when that happened, Tony. We had She was great. But she was saying, I wish I had a Daniel Penny. She was yes. pleading for a Daniel Penny on the subway or someone like that. And that's a sad thing, Curtis, is people are afraid to step up because they see what's what happens to them. She lost her eye and she was savagely beaten in that transition point from the A train that she would take every day from Far Rockway to a job at JFK. No, uh, no personnel around, nobody in the token booth, no cops. And so you're left to your own means. So imagine if this woman had carried a gun on her and this guy was savagely beating her and she shot and killed him. You know, in the eyes of some of the district attorneys, they Murder. would say, too much lethal force. You know, your life was not in danger. This is nuts. We have DAs who basically ought to be defense attorneys. They are they are looking at the law, and they are not enforcing the laws that have been written. Why don't you go out and become a member of Legal well, Aid or the American legal, Civil Liberties Union? Legal Aid, Legal Aid and defense attorneys wrote the laws in Albany, which the the state senators, New York state senators and New York state assembly put into law. And I'm going to say it this way because that's the way Governor Hochul said to me. They forced it down her throat. Well, first of all, Andrew Cuomo's signed the first round and she's been saying all along. Well, she's they forced been it down her throat this time around. Yeah. And before and, that, it was Andrew Cuomo. Right, I agree. And, and the point is she keeps claiming that she's rolling it back. And it's not so. John, Anybody that does a real examination of those laws Curtis, knows it's not Judge there. and John, she gave him a pay increase, and she didn't ask anything that of them. That was not smart. Yeah, she lost her we leverage. Have, I agree with you. That, she had the Damocles sword what, over what, their head. What Andrew Cuomo would have done is he would have made sure he had it his way before that pay increase. Yeah, you don't give them a, a gift and not expect something in return. No, it's called I mean, bribe, bribe. Yeah, I'm trying to be nice. I'm trying to be nice. we got to go to a break. We're going to go to a break. And who are we coming back with? We have Ryan Payne talking about the economy. And also we have Andy McCarthy is coming up. He's going to be talking about those explosive FBI hearings today. You definitely don't Curtis, want to Curtis, go out there and, and fight for our people. To the yeah, subways I go. Don't give up. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. Well, we're back. We are. And by the way, I just saw a report that people are cutting back because of what's happening in the economy. They're so concerned about buying that true report. They're actually cutting back 
on hygiene products, John. Not just food, not just other things. Well, but they can't get it. It's locked up in the drugstore. Yeah, that's you, true. Can, you can't buy it. Next to the toothpaste. You know, I've been in the grocery business for 54 years. And when you walk into the grocery business, it's supposed to easily fall into your cart. If it's locked up, nobody wants to go through the headache of calling the manager open. Yeah, over. you say forget Unlocking, it. Unlocking, and, and you call the manager or the, or, or the assistant manager over, it'll take them 20 minutes to get you. Yeah, you're right. You're. I mean, talk about making That's a couple retailers. That's why their sales are down. Yeah, well, they're, and guess, and you know why it's locked up? It's because of theft, Crime. as you know all too well. What do they call it? Shrinkage? Shrinkage. <laughs> With us today is Ryan Payne, and uh, is there a pain going on on the markets, uh, Ryan? Tell us. Well, first off, I'm wearing deodorant for the record, so don't worry about that. But, Thank you, Ryan. We uh, appreciate that. <laughs> don't raise your uh, arms. Mar- <laughs> no pain in the market today. I mean, markets were up big on cooling inflation. It's hot here in the city, John, but uh, inflation is cooling. We saw the uh, consumer price index come in lower than expected, something you and I have been anticipating for you, a while. You predicted that, and I predicted that. Everybody was fighting us. Everybody thought we were, both of us were crazy, but we were right. They looked at us, we had like four heads, John. It was crazy, but you're right. We were right. And, you know, I think importantly to the grocery business is we finally saw food inflation flat for the month. Um, and that's been one of the biggest culprits, right? It's just those rising food costs. So really good news for the American consumer, really good news for the American economy. I agree with you. And now you have to say, you know, last week when me and you were talking, and predicting, uh, we we um, I, I, oil was at sixty eight dollars, and then the Saudis and the Russians are starting to stir the pot, and it's up to about seventy three or seventy four today. Um, what say you on that? Any feeling? Well, it's definitely something to keep an eye on um, because at this point, you know, China still is reopening. Um, it is still the second largest economy in the world. And I think the question is, when they do fully reopen, is that going to push prices even higher? It seems to me, though, like Russian oil is getting to the market one way or the other, no matter what restrictions are put on the Russians. So I think it's something to keep an eye on, because obviously every time oil prices go up, it's like a tax on the American, on the global consumer. Not just I think the, the prices will continue to go down. I think the Russians are lying to the Chinese. The Russians are lying to the Saudis. The Saudis are lying to the Russians. You can't believe a word any of them say. And I think the trend will still go down. And I think inflation will go down. Now, tomorrow is PPI. What say you about that? It's going to be, it's going to come in cool as well. So at this point, PPI has been falling much faster than inflation. It could actually be a negative number. Um, and that's what obviously companies pay. That's their inflation. So if their inflation is going down, eventually that trickles down to the consumer inflation. So again, I anticipate another good number. And then we get the banks reporting on Friday. And I think their numbers would be better than expected as well. You know, optimism rules the day here, John. All those pessimists, naysayers, that was you and I, they're not looking very smart right now. Ryan Payne, I look forward to seeing you soon. And thank you for your wisdom. And and God bless you, and God bless America. And keep the deodorant on, Ryan, please. <laughs> Let's go to a Whatever break. Can we go to a break now? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we can go to a break. Oh, we also have okay. Dr. Peter Mielos, if you want him, too.
He's available. Is he on now? He's on. Well, Let's go to Dr. Peter Mihalos. Exactly. Then. Yeah. Dr. Why break when you got Dr. Mihalos? Well, right? if he's on the phone, yeah. I mean, uh, I want to hear some wisdom. Yeah, I do too. Because he's he our always, resident genius. He is. Yes. He always is like the smartest guy by far. Dr. Peter Mihalos, uh, I know you got a lot of stuff to talk about, and including if everybody, you know, when you go outside, there's been this uptick of ticks. Explain it and what we should do. Well, because we had a bit of a milder winter, it appears the ticks really came out in May in strong force, and the number of cases are up. The confirmed cases in the United States usually range between twenty and 30,000, but there really are a lot more that end up getting treated. And what happens is when you go for a Lyme's test, I always tell people, don't ask just for a Lyme's test, ask for a tick panel, because there's something called ericiosis and babesiosis, which are other tick-borne diseases that can also happen. There are even companies, and I recommend my friends, uh, when they have a tick to save it, put it on some scotch tape. You go online, there's several websites where you can actually mail it in and it gets analyzed, and they'll even tell you. I had a friend who was visiting the Hamptons. It came out Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever. So then you can treat appropriately. And oftentimes when you get bit, you have to take it off. So there are various tricks. One of my friends who's a uh, senior urgent care physician in New Jersey, he has a technique where he uses a fine tweezer and he actually flips it on his back and slowly teases it off. Because when you pull it out suddenly, what happens is you leave pieces inside. But if you tease it out slowly, it actually disengages it when you flip it on its uh, belly and it it becomes disoriented. And then you look for what's called a bullseye rash. And then you usually go to an urgent care center to your physician and you'll be treated appropriately with doxycycline for two to three weeks. And uh, there are two te- blood tests. One is called IgM, IgG. The IgM antibody test will tell you if you have a fresh infection with Lyme's disease. And the IgG antibody test tells you if you've had it before. So we've seen this uptick and people need to especially with children, do inspection on their bodies, wear uh, high socks, try not to go out into woodsy areas. And it's usually uh, the reservoir for Lyme's disease is in ticks and white-footed mice. And the other fascinating thing that just announced today was that they found COVID in deer. And some cats and house cats that go outside were catching COVID from the deer and bringing it back home and transmitting it to humans. And that was just documented and published today. So we're seeing a lot of fascinating things happening with microorganism. In addition, we're seeing now, we haven't seen in 20 years, endemic cases of malaria within the United States. And now there are cases in Florida and Texas. Usually their malaria cases come from other countries. But now we're actually seeing cases that are originating within our borders. It's not out of control yet, but it's definitely something to uh, be concerned about. So if you're in a hot, humid climate where there's a lot of like puddles of water around mosquitoes consider using repellents Uh, you know foot and ankle is the most important place because that's where they attack first like when you're at a party or a function they come for your feet and your ankle first and there are other products that people use to help repel them i personally you know i like i actually buy this uh, skin so soft product from avon which is natural without too many chemicals and i used to put it on my triplets who are now 26 all the time and thank God they, you know, wouldn't get bit. And uh, I've taken it, for example, on trips and I've used it. So there are things that you can do to protect yourself because we're talking about all these uh, 
criminals and large things that can get us, but there is also this microscopic world that we still have to be aware of because before all these treatment years ago, that was the most common way that people died was infectious diseases and trauma. And we're very grateful that American ingenuity and capitalism produces all these new medicines. There's even now a malaria vaccine that's used throughout Africa that has helped reduce the deaths from malaria. And there are many new treatments and treatments available for these things. Thank God, thanks to the great ingenuity. And most of it comes out from the great USA. And by the way, I use uh, Skin So Soft, too. I used to, and Tony got a question for our resident genius, Peter Mealers. The deer would definitely slow to mask up and social distance, so none of that surprises (laughs) me. Doc, you got to give us some good news. Didn't keep six feet between the other deer. They to do the whole social distancing thing. you got to leave us on some good news, Doc. The good news is that we're in America, and we have treatments for all these things, and we can be helped, and we have the science, and you just got a lot of recommendations and tips on how to avoid these things, so... You know, God bless America. Could you imagine being in some of these isolated, geographically isolated places without the proper care, without the treatment, without antibiotics? That's why we always say on WABC. So an isolated area like, uh, you know, Kansas or Iowa. (laughs) Well, national, national security is our supply chain for antibiotics, the chemicals that make all our medicines and drugs. And that needs to be our focus to be prepared and to continue to protect uh, Americans by having supply chains. To me, it's unacceptable that I keep hearing stories that people go to buy a certain medicine and it's not available. That just drives me bananas and we really need to focus on that supply chain issue. I know profit's important. Everyone wants to get things made abroad cheaper while we're funding a war machines around the world because we want to buy cheaper products, but we need to start focusing on American by America, made in America. Absolutely. You're right. Uh, and I think that hit home, especially when COVID broke. Everyone's like, wait, it's all over in China. It's everywhere else. Um, we all yeah. went out and got six months or a year's worth of medicine just in case. Right. Just in case. Doctor, uh, this is Pete King. Is there any chance you had pharmaceuticals back in the United States out of China as far as you know, production of pharmaceuticals? Because that's like a death well, weapon they hold over us. Well, I think it's happening right now, just like we're seeing what's happening where uh, chip factories are starting to appear in the United States and uh, American companies are starting to focus on uh, manufacturing some basic uh, antibiotics and various medicines here in the United States because they realize that they can't depend on the supply chain. And I think COVID taught us all that our uh, medicine supply chain is a national security issue. It's not just a, uh, a medical issue. I just hope we learn the lesson because that is a real lesson we have to learn. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. And I wish you were a governor or, or, or in Congress or a senator and uh, we'd have some common sense going on and we'd get things done. We need common sense. Mr. King, or Congressman King, has refused to get congestion pricing on King's Highway. <laughs> <laughs> so so we, at least we get that out of them, right? All right. <laughs> Thanks, thank you, Peter. Can, uh, Peter. Peter Mihalos. Peter Mihalos. Thank you. A lot you. of Peters. A lot of Peters. A lot of Peters. <laughs> uh, and thank you for coming on. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for getting the truth out on the Captain Cosby Show. Thank, thank you. you. And Peter. we're going to take a break. And who are we going to come back with? We, we, have... we need some blockbuster guy to, to end the show. Him. Him. And, and, we, and we got him. We got him in studio. And we have Andy McCarthy coming up. And he's going to talk about the blockbuster hearing that took place today. The FBI director got grilled. And we're going to talk about that and a lot more after the break. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. 
And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. And everybody was watching the hearing today. Uh, Christopher Ray, the director of the FBI on the hot seat. Uh, one of the biggest comments, uh, came from Matt Gates, Congressman Matt Gates, because it was before the House Judiciary Committee. And he said, uh, you know what? Um, I think you are basically protecting the Bidens. Uh, they really went for it with Christopher Ray on a whole bunch of topics. Uh, and joining us now here is Andy McCarthy, former assistant U.S. attorney. Uh, Andy, great to have you here. What did you make of the hearing? Well, I'm going to be unpopular today, Rita. I thought I um, actually was very impressed by Ray's testimony. Uh, and I think he I, I wish he did this more often. I got, you know, one of the Republican congressmen. Um, said to him, you're very good at explaining what went wrong, but you're not very good at, like, preventing things from going wrong in the first place. Um, And you don't convey a sense that um, there's been any accountability for the problems at the – obviously, it's much worse than problems, but the abuses at the FBI – that Ray, you know, he lamented, he, you know, he explained how appalled he was by them. Uh, and he pointed out that, you know, everybody who was, for example, involved in Crossfire Hurricane has been removed one way or the other from the FBI. And I think, you know, the sense that people have, and this is partially because of Ray's kind of understated personality, and to me, the fact that he was brought in to be kind of the anti-Comey, to shun the publicity, to exhibit modesty and, and the like. There's no sense in the, for the public that anybody's really been held to account. And what Ray pointed out was that he actually, you know, over time, he has, you know, too quietly removed everyone, put in reforms. Uh, there actually are some, um, you know, opinions from the FISA court and the the director of national intelligence that seemed to indicate that since Ray implemented these reforms, which a a lot of people I think rightfully would say it took too long to implement them, but there's been significant improvement in terms of how they administer FISA, uh, et cetera. And you got the, I at least got the impression that if we left this guy alone uh, and let him run the place that it would improve. And I, my question for the Matt Gates of the world is simply this. Do you really want, an FBI director picked by Joe Biden. Well, and that's, that's by the way, yeah, that's a, a big problem. You know, I'll tell you, I felt differently, Andy, um, and I agree with you a lot. But today, I felt he seemed very disconnected. Maybe it's his aloof personality, um, and but I felt I felt he seemed way too aloof, and he kept no, I don't know, no idea. Rita, and, I had dinner last night uh, with a few uh, senators in Washington. Rand Paul was there, and Senator Ted Cruz, and uh, Ted, I asked Ted Cruz, and he says he knows Ray for 30 years, and uh, he likes him, uh, and he thinks he's number two guy was calling a lot of those shots. Yeah, and, that's what I've heard, too. And he mentioned the number two guy's name. I can't remember it right now. Uh, Andrew McCarthy, uh, what do you think? Well, I, I, I like Ray, too. Uh, I also thought <laughs> my favorite part of his testimony today was um, when he got asked about, uh, you know, whether he was targeting conservative groups. And, you know, anyone who knows Ray, he's like a rock rib 
conservative. Uh, he's not a progressive Democrat. He's a lifelong Republican. And he kind of looked at the person who asked him the question and said, like, anybody who knows anything about me to, to describe me that way sounds insane to me. Um, and I think, you know, Rita, Rita mentioned his aloof personality. Um, and I think there's a lot to that. But I also I kind of respected today the way I thought that he acknowledged that his personality has been part of the problem, because he says that, um, you know, he's he's not only been he, he reminded everyone that he was brought in to replace Comey under circumstances where Comey was removed. And anybody's better than Comey. I mean, I'll, I'll, well, I'll... not only that, Rita, he said Comey was removed specifically because he uh, exposed law enforcement information that under Justice Department rules, he wasn't allowed to disclose. And that right. was, you know, that one of the things that was drummed into him was that he's not supposed to do that. And he also is somebody who is, um, you know, maybe this is because of his lawyer experience. And a lot of people say, you know, Pete probably has some views on this, but a lot of people say maybe we should go with it you know, with a cop as the FBI director instead of a lawyer all the time. I'm, I'm, I'm now going to get drummed out of the lawyer court, too, I guess now. But, um, you know, he says his tendency is to be measured uh, and to and to speak in, you know, non-provocative <laughs> ways. Again, I think this is part of being the anti-Comey. And sometimes he acknowledged that that conveys to people that, that he doesn't care as much as he does. And, and he seemed uh, to me to be removed, Andy. I mean, what I found, yeah. uh, I watched it, and, and you know, I, you and I have known each other a long time. He just seemed to me, I don't know, no idea. It almost seemed like he was dancing around some of the answers, uh, things that he clearly should have known the answer to. Um, and I think a number of people watching felt that way. But but maybe some of it's his personality. But it seemed to me like a little bit of a question of he should have known some of the things that he claimed he didn't. Uh, Judge Weinberg, you got a question. Well, Andy, I just want to commend you on the article you wrote called Garland's Sleight of Hand in the Hunter's, Hunter's Sweetheart Plea Deal. Would you just, just briefly tell our audience what that's about, please? Yeah, I, I really don't understand. Uh, you know, I, I do understand why people want to get answers out of, da- out of uh, David Weiss, who was the uh, U.S. Attorney of Delaware, who uh, handled the Hunter Biden case and extended the uh, Sweetheart Plea Deal who, that's been uh, rightly criticized, but I just what bothers me is that that people seem to be missing what caused all of this, uh, which is that Merrick Garland had an obligation to appoint a special counsel and never did. And the, the claim that you know, if only Weiss had asked, uh, he would have gotten any authority that he needed. He's not supposed to ask. The attorney general is supposed to appoint a special counsel if there's a conflict of interest and there's a raging one. A- Andy, um, we just have a few seconds. Yes or no, do you think there's a chance the judge will uh, turn down that plea deal on the Hunter case? I think there's a chance. I wouldn't say it's 100 percent, but I, I think it'll be an interesting hearing. Wow. Thanks, Andy. It's always great. Andy, thank you. You're terrific. Thank you, Andrew. And uh, thank you for everything you do. And uh, what do we all stand for? Truth, Truth, justice, justice, and the American way. way. God bless America.